Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby... It doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB. We are back with a full weekend of finals, international rugby, and, well, I guess more after-dinner stories from certain Barbarians players. Anyway, I am joined in studio by Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. How how are we? Uh, Very good. Feeling a bit wired after you uh, force-fed me an espresso at the moment I walked through your front door. It's not bad, is it? It was not bad. It's just incredible setup. It looks incredible. Yes, I can't wait till you really get that dialed in. Exactly, and basically, most of owning an espresso machine is the constant process of dialing in, and also the constant process of wanting people to look at it. <laughs> That's really why I have it. Uh, and down the line, are we allowed to disclose your location, Tim? Uh, you, you can if you must, because okay. I feel like this is a safe space. Ah. Um, our listeners are nice, and they're not going to judge me for this. Okay, well, Tim, on an oil tanker in English Channel, um, <laughs> how are you, mate? Correct. Correct, JB. I'm, I'm all right, thank you very much. Um, sorry to not be joining you in studio tonight, but uh, there we go. Lo- I'm, I'm buzzing about this podcast, though. Yes, indeed, indeed. Quite a lot to get into, really. I, I, I they... Where do you, let's start with the final. Let's start with the final. And another massive congratulations to Exeter Chiefs, which, who are just really proving what a class outfit they really are. They really have done. And this this was... It was the result that I was expecting. It's not the game that I was expecting. No. Uh, not least because of the weather. The weather was horrendous. That was a true leveller for, for both teams. Um, but without going too much into detail right now... Amazing for, for Exeter Chiefs. And we, we waxed lyrical about it last week. The journey, the 10, 12, 15-year journey that this team has been on. And they have been phenomenal. They've been so, so good this season. And they closed this game out in very difficult conditions against a Wasp team who were incredibly hard for them to break down. They were good, weren't they? They were Wasp were brilliant. Wasp played finals rugby. They, their defence, as we spoke about last week, was excellent they repeatedly uh, stopped Exeter on their own try line which virtually no team can do oh, the more forced... defense the more defense was incredible the more def- more defense was incredible the pick and go defense was incredible they repeatedly forced turnovers and penalties on their own try line they repeatedly actually forced Exeter to kick sticks 
which I know was partly down to the conditions and partly down to the timing of the, the last penalty in the first half and the last penalty in the second half, but they forced Exeter to play a, a bit of a non-Exeter strategy, yeah. which is high praise indeed. Yes, quite. Um it's a great point. I, I just before we get into any specifics, I think again, although we did, as you say, wax lyrical, I think it is the perfect time to just reflect on a truly remarkable story, as uh, as you say, Phil. And they join a seriously small group of people to have won a double: Leicester, Saracens, and Wasps. Yeah, um, all, all of whom are perennial top-flight clubs with, you know, decades and decades, a hundred, you know, years and years and years, always at the top. And they've done this 10 years ago being a championship club, 20 years ago playing on a uh, basically a, a pig farm of a field, <laughs> the county ground. Did it have a, a whippet track around it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back and in the there day. Are, there are clubs with all the money in the world and no salary cap, like Racing, who they beat la- uh, last week, who still haven't been able to match up to this. And I, I was looking at that Exeter side, and I think what, what just struck me was... I think Gareth Steenson's probably the best example of this. To a man, and I'd include all the coaches in this as well, they have made the absolute most of the talent that they had. And I think you can only do that when you're at a truly special place, which which that is. Gareth Steenson's an interesting one, isn't he? Because for so long, he was irreplaceable. You know, he was probably... I'm not wrong in saying he was probably the best goal kicker in the Premiership. I think statistically he might have been, actually, for a while. Yeah. Um, if not, he was you know top three continuously. Uh, yeah, but over the, such a long period of time as well. But the way they've gradually replaced him with Simmons, and now Simmons is, it, Simmons is the man, you can see that it's not a fluke. It, there is some real high-level planning involved in this Exeter team. Definitely. Um, and, and just, to, Tim, to... Um, uh, expand the point that you made about the um, other English teams who have done the the doubles. Um, the other um, non-English teams who have done the doubles are double are Toulouse and Leinster, which are two dynasty teams, like the, unquestionably the best team uh, in the Pro 14, best team in Ireland, and historically the best team in France are the only other teams to have done uh, yeah. to have achieved such a feat. And two teams that fell to Exeter. Just trying to think, who, who, when did Leinster go? Leinster went out to Saracens, didn't they? Yeah. Le- Toulouse and... Toulouse, Toulouse and Rassing. Rassing went out. And someone else, someone else went out to Exeter. You don't get straight to... Do you go straight to semis? No, it went straight Quart- to quarters. Quarters, Northampton in the quarters. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Leicester got that The 2020 uh, variety, Northampton as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although Northampton, no, they didn't do the double. They lost narrowly when they won the 2000 Heineken Cup. They were around that time. With 2001, Pat maybe? Yeah. Yeah, they won, for, they won for a treble. They had never won a cup in their life. They were on for the for the European Cup. They lost the Tetley Bitter Cup to London Irish, I do believe. And I think Leicester pipped them to the Premiership. Mm. And how about this? As, a, as another little measure of uh, of the character of the players the t- what it means to them the club and everything surrounding it and this story the journey they've been on Jack Knoll we talked about some players who might be best you know sitting out of a club game to take the massive wads of cash you get from uh, from England Jack Knoll has been playing the last couple of weeks knowing he needs surgery on his toes and now forfeiting England games in a lion's year 
Not what I'd be doing. <laughs> You'd be taking that cash, right? I would be taking that cash. I would have got my my toes fixed a long time ago. But uh, being a double winner, his after-dinner speaking value might have gone up a little bit. Yeah, and there's a couple more lads who will talk about his after-dinner speaking <laughs> value has gone through the roof. Should, yeah. should we talk in a bit more detail about the game? Yeah, yeah I, okay. I, and I want to start with the end. Yeah. I want to start with the end. And it's interesting because we, we, we'll talk about Chris Robshaw in a little bit. But Chris Robshaw, until this week, was known as a great rugby player and for that one night at Twickenham oh, when he when he went me. for the corner yes. and didn't take three points yeah. to draw a game. And Wasps had a little bit of a, a powwow um, at the end of that game and decided, again, with a dead-eye kicker like Jimmy Gopeth <laughs> on the pitch, decided not to go I for know. posts to tie the game and to go for the win and then ballsed up the line out exactly as England did. Yeah. What, and it was th- what do you was- make of that? So at that time, it was 13-16 to Exeter, so they could have levelled it with about five minutes left on the clock. And the other bit of information which I think is really important is um, Ogre, who is a quality player, he'd he'd only been on for five or ten minutes, and his line-out before was a loaf of bread. It It was was a pizza. Yeah, and the the, even even bigger context, the whole game, their line-out was dreadful. Yeah, Um I, I, I admire their bravery in going for it, but I, I, if were I a Wasp fan or a Wasp player, I would have been screaming to take this, go for the three, take the three. Hundred percent, you give it to Jimmy. Yeah, because I mean, Jimmy's such a good kicker. They should have that on t-shirts. Give it to Jimmy. <laughs> Just give it to Jimmy. Okay. The other element, the other element of it is Exeter um, were, were competing, which fair play, brave. They weren't just taking the the driving mall, they were trying to steal it and they managed it. But they were jumping at at the middle and the back. As you should do. G- giving Wasps the front ball. That's exactly as and what so So with Ogre having, as you say, balls up the line-out, with their line-out not functioning very well and with it being biblical rain, and they ha- and, and Exeter gave them the front ball. Yeah. I don't understand. Just just take it. If you're going to do it, take that. Take the front... Oh, as in Wasp could take the front ball. Yeah. Um, Wasp could have taken the front I, ball. I would make the argument, right? This is this is the argument I'd make. Or at least not go for the back. The it, very back. Yeah. But anyway. If you... So this is the... Pro, it's kind of like... Um, uh, what was it? Like game theory. You know, you, you think you're going to go... You're anticipating one thing and then another thing will happen. So... If you know that they're going to give you the fronts, so then you start banking on the front and they jack someone up at the front, you've got a problem. So are you better trying to outguess the other team and then getting into a game of luck, or are you better just trying to execute your best lineouts for that situation? Yeah, because I suppose we could... It's all shoulda, woulda, coulda, because I could be saying, why are they chucking it to the front? Because Exeter just blitzed them straight into touch. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they'll be expecting. So if you hit the front ball, yeah, A, you've got the problem you're going to be blitzed into touch. B, you've not got a balanced mall. So if you hit the middle and you think about it, you've got sets of players behind you, sets of players in front of you. You can all form in and make a very balanced, aggressive mall. That's why you want to hit the front. And if you hit the tail, you can drive in towards the post, which is exactly where you want to be, and you're not going to be smashed back in... Uh, back into touch you can also prepare for it and should the ball come out Robson's got to make a pass which is what 20 yards more so you can get get get, get off the back of the line out so always try and play your best line outs for a situation rather than guess but that's easy to say isn't it it is and I'm not, but I'm just not sure back ball in biblical rain w- with a youngster who's 
just balls up a line out was yeah. a particularly good call. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm of a different opinion of that. Shockingly enough, which is if you balls it up, do it again. Yeah, and, and to be fair, so he did. It was about five minutes earlier that he threw a horrendous one, but. The reason they got that penalty was they got a massive uh, driving mall, which took them about yeah. uh, 10 or 15 metres towards the Exeter try line. Al- they almost scored from that. So um, it, it, it is a bit harsh to, to um, criticise Ogre too much. Yeah. And I have a little bit of sympathy for Wasps and for Launchbury in the decision-making. With hindsight, obviously give it to Scobble Gopeth. Obviously thinking of, about Robshaw, give it to Gopeth. Everything <laughs> you <laughs> think... <laughs> About says give it give, give it give it to Gopeth, right? That said, everything wasps have done, everything from restart has come up smelling of roses. Every decision, you know, they bring a young kid off the bench. Does he score a hat trick? He certainly scored two. Yeah, uh, Barbieri. Barbieri, like a, tw- a twenty-minute hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, they've got no they've got no scrum or line out against wasp uh, against Bath. Doesn't matter. Um, Saracen show up to play and Owen Farrell one of the best players in all of England takes off young Charlie Atkinson's head you know, every time they've step, stepped foot on the field things are going their way and now like you say it's biblical rain they are within spitting distance of the of, of, the, of the title why would you not go for it I mean <laughs> yeah, everything has gone your way I don't know if this is a version of playing on tails it's probably the, op- the opposite <laughs> but like their luck has been in for so long you can't you can't help but think it was going to continue yeah I, and I can forgive them for thinking that um, and, and and as I said last week this season the the second half, the, the latter half of this season for Wash 100% is a success Yeah, and they've got such a good foundation now to, to build on for next season because they've got all their players I mean in, in numerous positions they've got the best player in the league um, in multiple, so um, I say two two of the best players of the league would I'd, actually I'll go for three where I think they've got the best players in the league this season. Go on, and that is uh, Kibberigi. I think has been the best winger in the league. Okay, Jack Willis. I think has been the best back row in the league, yep. and Dan Robson. I think has been the best nine in the league. Yeah, I can go with that. Um, and and they've also they've got. I mean, they showed having. Their first choice front row, or certainly their first choice props in Brooks and McIntyre, down and off. They we were saying last week, um, if they can gain parity in the scrum against Exeter, they've got a chance, and they did. They've not struggled once in the scrum. They had a little bit of a hiccup against Bath, actually. Yeah, against Bath they did struggle when um, they were yeah. really down to bare bones. But they've they've got their tight five is is great. The, they might not be incredible on paper, but they're performing really, really and, well. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? They're not just, uh, I said luck. It's not just luck. It's the fact that they're, you know, talent meets opportunity. Talent meets luck. They are in a, a position to exploit that luck ev- every time it occurs. The only team that have truly got the better of Wasps so far this season has been Sale. And they've given you a blueprint of how you do it. You've really got to beat them up, and you've got to beat them up badly. Yeah, and, and, and Exeter couldn't do it this weekend. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. Exeter couldn't. <laughs> couldn't. Get. They couldn't. I mean, they could. I couldn't help thinking. I don't know this. To, I don't know this to be true, and I'd love to have found out what what would have Ooh. happened in good conditions. But I can't help thinking that actually, oddly, dry conditions would have suited Exeter more because I because by its very nature, that game Exeter weren't able to play the multi-phase, yep. relentless. Yeah type of game which wears teams down so I I do agree with that point actually and when when I first saw the rain before the game I was thinking oh Exeter are going to walk this but it was it was so bad 
and it, the ball was so greasy that Exeter were really limited to playing those multi multi phase games. And when they did try, they they um, found themselves being forced into errors, and that that was one of the re- main reasons why they had to go for the posts on uh, three or four occasions, which is just not something that Exeter do at all. Yeah, yeah, com- com- completely agree. It'd be very interesting to see how Wasps would have dealt with. I mean, Wasps at one point had their hand on the ground like sprinters and they were racing up with, with this line speed. I thought, that is flipping brilliant. You can do that, though, if Exeter can only string together four phases because of the rain and then kick it away. So I'd be interested to see how all the Wasps' defence would cope with Exeter over 12 phases, 15 phases, 21 phases. In dry conditions In dry as well. conditions, yeah. because that's a ni- or on a plastic pitch. It'd be a nightmare. <laughs> it, would, it would be. But yeah... Um, but yeah you're right to flag that decision, Tim. That um, the kick or lineouts, the post or lineouts, because and hindsight is twenty twenty, yeah, isn't it? Exactly, I, I exactly. T- because they could have scored. Had that driving more, well, had that lineout and driving more gone exactly the same as the one that happened thirty seconds before it, it would have been a wasps try, yeah. and they they could have been going in uh, four points up with four minutes left to play. Yeah, I mean, the real test for wasps is going to come next season. An unbroken season. If they get some international call-ups, I mean, it's hard to know who was going to go from Wasps to international. Not many. Uh, just probably the guys that we already know, like your Shields and Launchbury's, and then Willis. Minotzi. Minotzi will go, uh, but then Minotzi will he'll be back for some games yeah. because he's he's not he's an Italian. No, nah, I, I mean, obviously, you and I have spoke about Tommy Taylor for a long time. Tim's been a little while coming over to this. I, <laughs> I think, I think Tommy Taylor could be in with a, with at least another look. I don't know, the, possibly, but I think the, the three guys ahead of him are ahead of him. Did you see the tackle he made on Luke Cowan-Dickey? No. It was phenomenal. And it was one of those ones you wouldn't really notice. It was kind of, you know, it at, even at the time it might have been like a little bit of a nothing tackle, but if you look back at it, you realise how awesome it is. Because Cowan-Dickey, I think, comes off the back of a moor. And he runs into Tommy Taylor, and they are just competing to see which one can get lower. And Tommy Taylor gets <laughs> low enough, and the collision is actually pretty. It's pretty brutal, but it's over in a second, and then you know it doesn't look it doesn't look like a big smash. But you know that that there is a statement from Taylor. My favourite tackle of the game. I don't know if you you'll remember this was on Dave Ewers by Ben Harris. No, so I did. No. I admired that one. the The best one on Dave Ewers was by Dan Robson. I don't remember this. So it was first half, maybe 30 minutes in, and Exeter are, are picking and going. And Ewers just kind of, the ball like half slips as he picks it up. So he doesn't get his like normal powerful start, but um, Dan Robson gets off the blocks and absolutely smashed him. So Ewers kind of fumbles and then almost stands upright. And Robson smashes him back. Game, game over. Yeah, it was, it was quite, Robson's probably... Uh, Half his weight, forty kilos lighter than him. Yeah, yeah, it is awesome. way lighter. Maybe even fifty kilos lighter than him. Yeah, I, I can't imagine many of the wasps lads going going to internationals, which kind of tells you a lot about how good the team is. Umaga might get called up. Robson might get called I don't up. See, you know, I think he's great. I do think he's great, and the way he unpicked the wasps, the extra defence for his try, superb. Mm. Oh, that was again Robson, and and um, as was pointed out in comms, Kibirigi. 
So yeah. it's Kib- yeah, it's right. Robson picks and goes on a slightly arcing run with Kibarigi coming from behind the rook, which meant that, was it Johnny, uh, not Johnny Gray, Johnny Hill, yep. steps in and then there's this massive void between Hill and Williams that Umaga just takes all day and then has to um, step. And Umaga uh, as well, as good as he is, undoubtedly he's a hell of a talent, he hasn't come off well against Marcus Smith when they've gone head-to-head. Nor... Um, Joe Simmons. So I, I would have Simmons, but there might even be space for two fly halves in the squad because well, Farrell, George Ford, Farrell's staying. Farrell's definitely staying. I think he's a he's a shoe in. I think Simmons hundred percent deserves a call up. Whether that's how international rugby works or not, I don't know, but he deserves <laughs> one. Both Simmons deserve call ups. Yeah, and then it's hard to say Marcus Smith if you. I guess Marcus Smith's team's not, not winning. So you can do okay while in a loss and look like the better player, but your team's not winning. So in that case, yeah, you probably do go Umaga over Smith. I don't know. One of those two. Yeah. I, I think um, Eddie Jones has already called up Umaga to previous squads, hasn't he? Man, he's called up Smith to yeah. previous squads. Which, which way would you go, Tim? Uh, if I had to pick out of Umaga and Smith. Yeah. Or Simmons. Uh, Oh, well, Simmons, I'd go Simmons. Yeah. And then Umaga and Smith? And then of those two, I think Umanga, what I really like about him, and this would be complementary to Farrell and Simmons, and and actually con- complementary to all of them, in fact. The thing that he does that, that no one else can do, and we saw it in that try, albeit, as you say, Dan Robson and uh, Kibarigi did a lot of the work, but... Umaga can leave leave his decisions so late. He leaves mm. everything he does so late. You, he he can decide in a fraction of a second at the very very last possible moment whether to give or whether to go. And I just I just think at international level that speed of thought and that ability to well like, you know like court, like elite quarterbacks in the NFL when they can they can just leave it as late as possible and still execute. I think he's I think he's got that yeah. element in him, which I think could transition to international rugby. Yeah, the other... Maybe... I don't know. I, I, I definitely think you're right in your analysis of Umaga. In my mind, Umaga has been very, very good. In fact, probably one of the, re, one of the main reasons Wasps have turned around when they made that very brave coaching decision to go with him rather than uh, Sopoanga. And... There again, when he's playing his absolute best, he's between Robson, who, as Phil pointed out, is probably one of the best scrum halves in the league, and then Gopeth, who I think we all agree has been absolutely stellar for the last three years and since from injury. So he's got a lot of support, whereas Marcus Smith seems to be the leader and you know, the orchestrator of that entire thing. doesn't matter who's yeah. playing scrum half or who's playing 12. And I think in the, in, in the context of Die Young, I think it was pointed out before the game, and I, and I totally agree with it, um, and it's a it's a relevant thing to point out. Um, yes, Lee Blackett's done an absolutely fantastic job, and I'm not I'm not trying to take away from it whatsoever. But uh, but what Lee Blackett also had was Jimmy Gopeth, Dan Robson, Jack Willis back, and they were all out. And those are the, those are the the three guys for Wasps. Yeah, yeah. That make everything that have made everything work. They will have times next season where those guys will not be available. That's when we're going to see what this team's made out of. Yeah. everyone's got a good starting fifteen. Yeah, everyone. So anyway, congratulations to Exeter and actually congratulations to Wasps as well. Tenth, tenth to fourth to what was it? Tenth to second. Tenth, tenth to, to second, second to a final to is... be in five minutes away and. Um, 
a line out throw or, yeah. away from actually potentially even winning it. And doing it with some style. I imagine they. I imagine between these these two, they've won over a, a lot of neutrals. What do you What do you imagine the extra celebration was? Oh, uh, did what they, do you imagine? Because they go... like, they'll have obviously had a good old time on the bus, no doubt. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, I would just tell the bus to go around the M25 over and over <laughs> just again. Keep going, just lads. keep going. There's nothing else we can do, is there? <laughs> uh, get back to Sunday Park. Get lo- the, the, locked into the changing rooms. Oh yeah, and then have the police come around because it's uh, you broke ten, 10 curfew. PM curfew or something. <laughs> no, just keep driving around. I'm sure. <laughs> Get a, get a boat and go and go into international waters. Now you're talking. Just like Tim is now. Uh, any <laughs> any action on the oil tanker at the moment, Tim? <laughs> Anyone showing up yet? No comment. No comment. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we've got to bear in mind that there'll be a few of these. So Exeter will have celebrated. They will have celebrated last weekend with one mind on this. They will have celebrated this weekend. But there's a number of the Exeter Chiefs boys who've got one mind on next weekend and being potentially back in Six Nations action. Yes, indeed. It is the, it is the perfect game for England to not have to play. Yes, and um, play any of these guys that are involved in the final. So I have no idea who England are even playing. Italy. Italy. Oh, so England. So it's I, I think rest we'll, them all. Rest yeah, them all. They'll all get rested. Whereas um, Hog and Gray will be. And Thomas Francis will be back for um, key games. Yeah, so are these Six Nations games as well? Yeah, these this, So this weekend we have Six Nations. We've got a full schedule of Six Nations games I couldn't this weekend. <laughs> so why did, why, why did Wales play France then? Uh, Warm-up. What a ridiculous idea that is. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I mean, I said it last week that who cares? I mean, I think quite a few people did tune in and watch. I did. I, it, was, I, it was good, actually. I, I, I didn't. I... I, I Flicked on, admired the French kit, and then <laughs> and then went on, went on with my business. Do you know what? So it, I, I did watch the full game. It was a bloody good game. It, it, was, yeah. it was an entertaining. So I gather it was an entertaining yeah. game. And France are class. They are, aren't they? They just ooze class, and they are so. I never said it in loads of other podcasts. I'll say it again. They're so unusual. Like you don't coach the way the, the forwards carry the ball. Do you think that, that it's like watching a different sport? They, there's some of some of their players. And some of the way that they play, it there are there's no one else on the planet like Dupont who was yeah. absolutely magnificent. There is no scrum half on the planet that plays the way he plays. Untamak hey. is incredible. Vakatawa is incredible. Their back, I love their back row. I love their back row. Olivier, I love their Aldrit. back row more than you love their back row. <laughs> cross, <laughs> cross. Yeah, Francois Cross. They're, they are a quality, quality team. And this was a good game. Because Wales going over after 56 seconds yeah. or whatever it was. Well, I mean, Wales were up for it. I mean, the team yeah, that Wales yeah. selected... The team that Wales selected is a team that a fan would select. So if you knew nothing about rugby... Well, no, if you not knew nothing, that's not fair. If you knew a compar- a, a bit about rugby, and you're like, who are the most exciting players that Wales can put out when they're all fit, except of, you know, with the um, exception of Liam, Liam Williams, you would probably come to a team yeah. like this. Liam Williams for... Um, Halfpenny. For Halfpenny. Besides that... But all yeah. all the big names, all the stars, yeah. they were out, and I just don't think we'll ever be as good as we were under Warren Gatland because these guys made their name basically off Warren Gatland's success, and this kind of showed it. The way the French carry the ball, though, let's just go go back to that. Um, <laughs> so they smash into Wales, and then they go in like weird little ones and twos. Like you never see that if you watch Exeter Chiefs, for instance. They have perfected the art of doing things quickly in numbers. 
the French do things quickly in one in ones and twos, and there's like little offloads, and it feels like they're creating a masterpiece of some sort. Uh, it's so instinctive and that instinctive and natural. I know these are all the cliches, but that is literally what it looks like. Well, in, in terms of masterpieces, before we get into any more of the game, can we just talk about the masterpiece that is their kit? I love that kit. Uh, it's not my favourite French kit. Well, so France have had some incredible kits. Yes. Um, I, I love this. It's so French. There's some things which annoy me about it, though. Go, go on. So, well, I, I, love, I love the real royal blue. I, I'm yeah. glad I got the, away from the dark blue. The colour of it is wonderful. Yeah. No about that. It's so vivid as well. I kind of feel that even though it's Adidas proprietary uh, branding... You need three uh, three stripes down, down the arm. <laughs> I know, I know, well, it's not the right brand. So so that was, I, I said before the pod that I was going to have an interesting observation on the French kit. So the French kit has got the wonky shoulder, or the, the lopsided shoulders. Has it? Because one shoulder has... One shoulder's got the red and white Red and white, on. quite a thick red and white stripe down. Yeah. The full length, from the collar down. Um, the other shoulder has no, nothing. So actually, what? so when when you're watching... If, Is this like watching Leicester Tigers a few years ago? So if you've got a side-on pitch, if you've got a side-on view of the pitch and uh, the French team are playing from left to right as you're looking at them, yeah. you cannot see the stripe. If they're playing from right yes. to left, you can see the stripe um, as, uh, as they're in the line. So I now, thought both sides had the stripe because I was watching the stripey side. <laughs> no, only one side well, has the stripe. Well, well, But, so I love that kind of off-center non-symmetrical detail however another collar uh, of an international shirt that was played in this weekend disgusting the yeah. island one which has the half is it half black and half green or yeah, half, yeah, black, yeah. And half, half black and half green collar which i can't stand i, don't I really don't like that it's a design detail that doesn't need to exist yeah but i love the french one <laughs> so here's the funny thing about the french right why do you need two cockerels on, on, on your shirt the more cockerels, the better. Well, you would have thought yeah. that, right? But they've got the red one, which is a strange design anyway. It's not like the traditional French cockerel. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's more traditional than the last one. It doesn't really matter. And then you've got the Lecoq Sportif cockerel on the other side. <laughs> now, you would have thought some clever marketeer would be like, you've got a cockerel, we've got a cockerel. Why don't we merge our two cockerels and have a single cockerel <laughs> in the centre uh, center of like, of the chest? Unicockerel. But then the, the, the French emblem becomes a corporate logo. You can't be having that. You yeah, can't sell well, out. Yes, you can. I mean, you just can. You just can. <laughs> uh, and there's only going to be three years. I, you know, Lecoq Sportif are an iconic French brand anyway. You don't get much more French than them. It's like being sponsored by Citroën or Renault or whatnot. <laughs> uh, and it's basically the same thing. They, 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 if they put their minds to it, it'd be so much cleaner as well just to have the one thing right in the centre of the chest. And the cockerels face each other as well, don't they? Yeah, it's just awkward. And they're different <laughs> sizes. And, you know, the, it's like having two different fonts on your shirts. <laughs> but what's... Uh, what, what's I mean, there's a, there's a sort of shift going on in, in the world of Stash because Canterbury, long time, produced the best jerseys. They did. Have comfortably produced the worst I don't know. I mean, it's jersey the in the thing. Six Nations. That that island jersey is dreadful. Let's wait. Let's wait until we see the England jersey in the flesh because the promo oh yeah, shots. I know in the flesh because the the, the promotional pictures of the England jersey. <sighs> I, I hope they do some refitting of you know, the jerseys. The most offensive part about this is when England football went back to um, Umbro, they went and got their shirts tailored under Fabio Capello. I thought that's such a nice little touch. It's very English as well, you know. Nip the boys down to Savile Row. Now, footballers doesn't really suit, but you know, imagine sending the 
England rugby boys down to someone mm. to get it all tailored. I don't know if they did mm. did do that back at the time. But I know Umbro can make a fantastic kits. I have seen them. However, they seem to be harking back to their football heritage of particularly if you look at the Bristol kit of the nineties. And I quite I think that's quite cool as well. So the I think they've almost nailed the Bristol kit. It's very unusual and very, it's quite cool. Oh, I that, love... that, that Bristol European jersey with the Clifton suspension bridge, like sta- like a Stade Francais jersey. I love it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not what I would do. But it's pretty good. It's a pretty good effort. It's pretty unique and whatnot. The England one though is horrendous. There's no twist. I mean, the way it fits, it looks like bin liners. <laughs> yeah. It's that- all in the fit. It could look great if it fits well. It yeah. could look dreadful if it fits the way it did in those pictures that yeah. we saw this week. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll, if- I'll just show you a picture of Tim. Obviously, you can't see this from your um, your oil tanker. Oil tanker. But um, uh, yes, that, yes. So there's a Bristol training kit that's like multicolored. White, white collar, white sleeves, and then multicolored chest. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I that looks like mega. it could be like the Euros, that like uh, sorry, the like the football tournament. Yeah, yeah, back in the that, day, that, that looks absolutely class. The and th- that on those, so um, semi semi is wearing it, and he looks incredible. It's like beautifully spread across his chest and shoulders, and then tucked in at, at the waist. However, the England kits that were worn by, I think, was it um, Genge and Will Stewart? Noel had one on. Yeah, all those boys are in a great shape. Huge chest, big shoulders, big arms. And it's like baggy in all the wrong places. It is, isn't it? Baggy around the shoulders on Ellis Genge. Did, Something's not right. Did you see the controversy about, <laughs> about Ireland a few weeks ago, about the women's team? Oh, where they got... Uh, we are modern. enough, or They, or, 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 they or launched the kit... And yeah, uh, they, they they only had the only players that they'd taken a photo with were some of the men's players. So yes. they had they had the, the the people that were on the website modelling the kit for yes. the women's kit. Yeah. So <sighs> I can't help but think they've, they've missed a step here. Obviously, the outrage is mandatory. So you know, feel free to enjoy that. But there again. Wouldn't you want the England team to wear their kit, but then have a separate section with like David, like David Gandhi, and some other some other people wearing the kit too, to show what you could look like, <laughs> or what you should look like? What you should, <laughs> because let's face it, any any man wearing a replica jersey in his thirties, it shouldn't really happen, should it? Should it? I mean, it can do, but it shouldn't really happen. Yeah, it it happens in very Tread specific carefully. specific situations. Yes. Uh, now, if you could get so if you could recreate what the Irish women had had done, well, they weren't the Irish women, were they? The Irish Union had done by drafting in the models, so you can see how you should look in real life. <laughs> I don't think that's a, ter- a terrible a terrible idea. If you can get some good ideas for how to wear England jerseys as a fashion accessory. <laughs> Well, the, 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 just just briefly sticking on uh, Ireland and controversial things. Uh, I, I mean, I understand there's there's slightly more going on politically in this whole area right now. So maybe this was what it was all about. But the per- the performative elements in the Ireland game were ridiculous. I mean, if you look oh. on the, if you look on the Irish rugby um, Twitter account, for example when they posted their little pictures going one hour to kick off, every photo they posted, the entire warm-up, the players were wearing masks out on the pitch. It's ridiculous. Johnny Sexton was... warm-up for everything. Except for, except for Andy Farrell, who was giving the speech, who was shouting. Yes, correct. I mean... And then, and, and then also the performative spacing themselves out for the anthem. Yeah. 
what is wrong with these people? They are... It's, 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 Literally moments before they play a game of international rugby together. It is becoming a mental illness, this. It really is. Uh, I can't think of a single good, good reason to do it. Like you say, Tim, that's the only conclusion that you can come to. It is performative. I don't, I don't even know who they're performing to and why. <clears throat> I, I think it is, it's almost patronising to people at home that, that somehow they're not going to be able to draw a distinction between international rugby players and normal life. Yeah, do you know what? I, I'm not going to lie. I have been completely miserable over COVID. I get more miserable every time there's a restriction. A real, Like a real deep-seated, horrible misery. And watching rugby should be one of the few times you can escape from this. And I'm not saying don't take sensible measures. Of course take sensible measures. Uh, particularly if you're in the stands or whatnot. But when you're playing rugby and you're a rugby player and you're about to be scrummaging and whatnot, feel free to stand in line. I have to put up now with, with, with Ireland doing their stupid nonsense... And then you've got to put up with the Black Lives Matter. I mean, I thought that that had run out about three weeks ago or four weeks ago or three months ago. It, it should have. So we have to go through all of this stuff just to get to a game of rugby. Frankly, it's just not good enough. But we did get a game of rugby. Yeah, yeah. and it wasn't really worth it, to be honest. <laughs> it wasn't much of a game. It always felt like Ireland were going to um, get a handy bonus point win, Yeah, which, which they fairly comfortably did albeit it took them uh, 60 minutes to get their fourth try yeah I will just add this though a a bit of performative stuff which I do have time for uh, was the pretty incredible story of uh, David and Banda uh, oh the um, Italian yeah back row so a, lo- a lot of people talk the talk but very few people do it and uh, he signed up I think to drive ambulances yeah, so in, he in received, the peak of yeah. the pandemic. Now, that's incredible. Bearing in mind, nobody that, knew like, how serious it was going to be, what the ramifications were. He went and did it. So I've got a lot a lot of time for that. And he... Was it the highest order of the Italian... Oh, like, did he? Yeah, so he's got this... He had a medal, but he couldn't pick it up in person, obviously, because of the stupid re- stupid restrictions. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's an incredible story. That is incredible, because Northern Italy... Uh, was ground zero in the early days. It was the worst place, or probably the worst place in the world for a period of time. Yes, yeah. So, uh, yeah, massive props to him. Uh, shame his actual massive props weren't any good. <laughs> um, things to note in this game, Stockers at fullback Fine. Lo- looked great, mm. solid under the high ball, and when he gets the opportunity to go forward, like for the... For the... Uh, for the the um, Keenan try that was disallowed when he broke through, that was an incredible break. I can't help but feel like it shouldn't have been disallowed, but it was disallowed. Um, Keenan looked great. He yeah. looked superb. couple of great finishes. Should have really had a hat-trick uh, if that try wasn't disallowed. And Will Connors, the, um, the Leinster flanker, looked great. Yep. So, uh, and Caelan Doris does look good every time I've seen him. So, good, good all-round performance for Ireland. They got did what they need to. It does set it, us up for quite a nice last weekend of action. Yes, indeed. So, they needed to win this, didn't they, to make sure England didn't win it. Is that is that broadly correct? Well, so, no, Ireland are now one point ahead of England and France. Yeah. With one game to go. However, England play... Italy. Italy... And Ireland play France, France. away. Ooh. away. So, so, that, now that's a real so, game. So you, so you would imagine potentially that 
Ireland or France will only get four points. Yes. Um, leaving the door open for England if that happens potentially to beat Pip Island on points difference. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's so you're going to assume that England are going to get a five-point win. Yeah. Um, I may be a bit arrogant to say that as an Englishman, but... No, it's his, a Historically, and yeah, I think I'm confident enough to say that that is going to happen. It's so much of a fact, I don't think they should play the game. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a waste of time. Now, um, if, if you... So if England get a five-point win and Ireland get a four-point win, which is possible, or France get a five-point win, it then goes down to points difference. Uh-oh. And uh, France are... Sorry. France are currently two points behind England on points difference, so they'd have to hammer Ireland. So it looks unlikely that France are going to win the championship. But Ireland are 23 points ahead of England on points difference. So it could well come down to England running up a cricket score against Italy... Um, albeit if Ireland get a five point win away in France that's it Ireland what's win the, the order of the games will anyone know what they have to do uh, good question let's have a look at the the fixtures uh, so um, Wales Scotland is the first game which is 2.15 Italy England is 4.45 which means that France Ireland they will know so the front, um, Ireland will know a four-point win and with X point difference will win them the tournament. And obviously a five-point win wins them regardless. Five-point win wins them no matter what. Yeah. Oh, so what time What, what time is that kickoff? Five past eight. Oh, Are you travelling back? Imagine what a Super Saturday we could have had in another time. <laughs> Oh, this could have been. Hang on. This could have been a tier this two tour. Could have tour. been a tier two tour day. Yeah, oh. it could have been. Well, I mean, we could just travel over to Cheshire and watch it. <laughs> They've got pubs that are open, I think. Break lockdown. Oh, how are we allowed to travel to Cheshire? I've no, no idea. <laughs> we just got to sit in our houses and faster. Well, well we're not allowed to mix with each other. No, um, are we not? Unless we're working. You know, unless we're working. Well, I'm paying tax for this, so I'm working. We, we so are we, very well, much we, working. Unless we put on a live podcast, somewhere, but <laughs> no audience, just just us. <laughs> this is, any time I'm watching rugby, I'm working, Tim. Exactly right, exactly right. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So, you know, more misery. And, and, and on France, I mean, it's so far out from the 2023 World Cup, but you look at the potential of this side on at a home World Cup, and you think this could be the French side to probably once again look amazing until a semi-final and then lose. But they could look amazing. <laughs> they could look... They, they could, are amazing. This team is, is legitimate. I'm sure of it. This team are amazing. They're, they're so amazing that they could repeat their feat of uh, knocking out New Zealand, which they've done several times, and then falling at the next hurdle. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what they could do. <laughs> they, they but, could, they, but, but not, not only... Uh, on this occasion, you think you look ahead to 2023 and you, you think it, Antoine Dupont if he's not already, is going to be like world-class, best in the world by a country mile in his position. Oh, he's incredible. Uh, yeah. Absolutely incredible. But, I mean, but Saran even coming off the bench just sums up how good they, how the depth that they're starting to get as well. Yeah. So in several key positions, Untermach in a few years' time could be yeah, well, I mean, unplayable. Entomac's very, very good, but then you, they've, got, they've got Belly. Is it Belly? Belly and Carbonell and others as well coming up behind him. Vakatawa is best, best in his position in the world, or by the World Cup, he could be. Probably, he probably is. Teddy Thomas. Will he still be playing so by the World Effortlessly Cup? Yeah. looking amazing. Yeah, Teddy Thomas, the way he moves, like, he just makes everything look easy. Yeah, Thomas's class. They've got two 
class fullbacks in Boutier and, and Ramos. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, they've got a quality back row. They've got massive tight five forwards. They've got Kemil Shah coming off the be- bench. Um, they, they are a serious, serious outfit. If they can just um, stave off um, infighting coups, coaching failures and all the rest of it for the next the thing is, two like, and a half years. I always say years. that France needs a French coach because I don't understand the French team. I don't understand the French mentality. Yeah. I doubt many people do. Yeah. Um, so they've got a French coach and by all accounts, he's a very bright man. And he's incorporated uh, Sean Edwards. I think they might have exactly what they need. They may well do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the ITV <clears throat> coverage of the uh, France versus Wales game? Um, I, won't ask, I won't ask this to Tim because <clears throat> I don't think it's fair for him to answer because uh, being in the industry and whatnot, it's a bit uncouth to talk out a turn. But I will ask you, Phil. Um, I must admit that I was watching a lot of this with only one headphone in because it was Saturday night and I was uh, spending some lovely time with my beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't actually tune into the coverage that much so you might have to tell me how the coverage went it wasn't good (laughs) Uh, put it mildly it was not good in fact it was possibly the worst coverage I have ever watched in my life so Shane Shane Williams was doing it wasn't he it was Shane Williams it was Nolly Daniel um, yeah what's it Waterman Waterman and I don't know who was the main commentator do you know who the main commentator was Tim Miles Harrison I think yeah. No, no, no. Was it Miles Harrison? Is there another one? Martin, maybe? I don't know. Um, who's in studio? So, um, Maggie Alfonsi. And Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas was in studio, yeah. wasn't he? I don't know why. Uh, the, I, do, I thought the in-studio thing was pretty poor. I thought the in-game was dreadful. And it, yeah, the person who got a lot of flack for this was, was Waterman. She was just as bad as the, as the rest of the, as the rest of the broadcast. But she wasn't, you know particularly bad she wasn't worse than anyone else but the sort of questions that they came out with it's like tell me what does dan bigger mean to the nation of wales i, I don't know i mean who, what you, kind of question is that you of all the people uh from wales should be able to answer that because you I are the the single biggest uh dan bigger i love fan, dan I bigger i do not know what my <laughs> grand what my grandmother's opinion of dan, dan bigger is or her neighbor nor do it nor does anyone need to know during an international game of rugby so poor shane williams is trying to say yeah well you know everyone in i mean what's he gonna say yeah not um, not a massive impact maybe one in ten people know him if you know your rugby you'll know him yeah when you're taking out your bins you often think about dan bigger yeah would, would yeah. do that better than me i mean it's just some of the some of the I mean, they went through a, th- a phase of listing all of the partners of um, uh, Jonathan Davis. Jonathan Davis, yeah, yeah. yeah um, which was, uh, I mean, that was more like a quiz that we would play. You know, I do like, you know, name everyone that's played international rugby with Jonathan Davis. Um, so, you know, uh, Nolly got an awful lot of stick. I don't think, I mean, she wasn't good. And this is what will happen, right, when the first criteria is diversity we must make a hire which so we've got this box this box and this box the reason, but it's, i would go one further it's not fair it's not fair just to put someone straight into an in, into an international game the, you know, she should have had multiple opportunities before this in smaller games before you go before you go, go up to the big stage i have no doubt that she knows her stuff and she's in, you know incredibly knowledgeable about the game and all the rest of it but you can't just throw somebody in as for the other two they just weren't good enough in helping her with different bits of chat and there was no analysis it, it struck me as they had no background preparation 
for that game. That, that's what struck me as. Well, I, I'm going to jump in. And I'm going to say I thought it was excellent. And um, <laughs> well, I, I thought I thought it was good. And but what what I would say is, having seen it from the BT Sports side of things, is this would have been the first game that probably those commentators have done with no crowd. Yep. Which is a, a totally new context. I I it's hard. Sure. I, I, and again, I think ITV will probably change their simulated crowd noise. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I didn't think that worked particularly well. And, um, and and BT Sport sort of refined that over time, and I think they actually got that did did, did a really really good job with that. But but it ta- it will take time to to commentate, and the urge when there's absolute silence in a huge stadium around you, the urge to fill that empty space because there isn't the crowd noise yeah. carrying that atmosphere. I I think that's the thing that takes a bit of getting used to, and. Quite often, and this is my view just as a fan, but, you know, um, as much as anything, just when I'm sat watching at home, the greatest bits of commentary I remember, actually, it's sometimes what's not said. Yes. And I think I, and I think it takes time to get used to this new world. And, you know, we saw a fantastic product on BT Sport with the Premiership final at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say. Before, during and after the game. But, you know, there's been... F- what four months of getting used to this this new world in that yeah mm-hmm. it's a bloody difficult job it is so difficult and I'll, I'll tell you how i know it's difficult i know it's difficult because uh nathan middleton um is he a friend of the pod well he's certainly a friend of mine yeah friend um, of the pod. he said the best way to practice for it right and the way he practiced for it is to get a, micro- a microphone go to a game and just practice talking to yourself as you watch it I think Nick Mullins might have said the same. Might have said the same. The same thing too. So, out of interest, I got a microphone and I tried just to just to commentate, just to you know say a few things to myself. Recorded first of all, I shit myself because I didn't want anyone to hear. So it's actually <laughs> it's actually very very nerve wracking. But you think you can do it and you can't. It's incredibly yeah. hard. And if you look at the pre- the preparation that goes into a broadcast like this, like just for BT Sport one, if you're at sale during a media day, say. And Sale are playing that week, you will probably see, and I've seen Nick Mullins up there, I've seen Ali Eakin up there. Um, I know that if they get a player in, um, I know Richard Wigglesworth did a hell of a lot of work before his debut, uh, and sometimes it just does, it doesn't work out. And I don't think the chemistry was there for these guys. I don't think they did a particularly good job. But it's hard. It is hard. It is hard. It's not worth saying they were rubbish and, you know, that's it, never give them another go. It is bloody hard. Hmm. Um, did either of you watch the other international game, the Friday Night Lights? No. Scotland, Georgia. Scotland, Georgia, no. So I, I, I did watch it. You're such a professional. Uh, two, two great kits. That's that's all I did. That's all I've seen from the photos. Two excellent kits. Yeah, two good kits. Um, 60 minutes of awful rugby. Like, genuinely awful rugby. Um, Scotland, Scotland will be very pleased with that first 60 minutes because they scored three... Uh, rolling mall tries against Georgia, which is no mean feat because that Georgian pack is absolutely massive, uh, and most of them are honed in the French league. Um, and then the last twenty minutes, Finn Russell came on, and it was a bit of insanity, but it was so much Finn, more fun. Finn sanity, Finn sanity. <laughs> yes, how was it? Yes, that's Finn, the thing. Finn Russell str- strolled onto the pitch, so there was a break in play with about about twenty minutes to left to go and the 
uh, Murrayfield Stadium announcers had decided to fill the void, the empty space, Tim, as you described it before, by playing um, techno music and hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Happy hardcore. It says, Finn Russell strolls on smiling to Darude Sandstorm going off. That's, like, a, that's a great tune. <laughs> this, is, this is a bit crazy. But then, so he looked like he was... He was chatting away to everyone um him and adam hastings were playing which looks like um i don't think it'd be a permanent combination but it looks quite a nice little combination they're playing some nice stuff out the back to one another but finn russell was just throwing triple miss passes left right and center whether it was on or not whether anyone around him was in the right position whether the georgian uh defensive line had read it that the, that triple miss pass was getting thrown Finn Russell time. <laughs> Finn sanity. Finn sanity. <laughs> That's a t-shirt, that. <laughs> so the last, the last um, twenty minutes was was brilliant. It, it was crazy, um, and it was not the conditions to be throwing triple miss passes. It's left, always right, the conditions to be throwing triple miss passes. It is for Finn Russell. And so the game came came to life a bit more, and uh, I undo. Duane van der Merwe uh, scored a nice little try. Uh, ball inside from Finn Russell, who took the ball to the line. Double yeah, pump inside. A, a boyhood dream comes true once again. <laughs> maybe there should be different rules for Finn Russell. So he's centrally contracted, maybe by World Rugby, something like that. Some, you know. Um, <laughs> and what happens is if there's a game of notes, like a final or a semi-final, because you won't have to do it frequently, and if the score is, say, there's under 20 points scored in the entire game... And you've got to be past 50 minutes. There's a coin flip. And whoever wins the coin flip, or loses the coin flip, depending on your point of view, <laughs> gets Finn Russell. You get to make the uh, Finn call. Yeah, yeah, you get to make, decide, do you he's want on, Finn Russell? Yeah, he's or on do your you team. Finn Russell? Or do you force him onto the other team? <laughs> yeah, then he comes on to Darude Sandstorm for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> With a bottle of blue WKD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, well, it's yeah. It'd be like a who wants to be be a millionaire lifeline. Yeah, but, so he's all about <laughs> sanity. I don't know, hit like, the Finn sanity button whenever you want. Ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah, if, if if enough of the crowd vote for it. But yeah, for the last third <laughs> for the last third of a game, you might get Finn Russell. So we pay him. I don't know. £500,000 a year. He may never have to play a single game of rugby. <laughs> but if if you hit the button, it could have happened in the uh, the Premiership final. Yeah, it was low scoring enough to make it, it'd be fit, fin, yeah. fin sanity. Be, what what a what a great feature that is. <laughs> um, if you were if you were Exeter or Wasps, what would you have? Would you have played the Fin Sanity card against you, or like put them on put him on the opposite or, team, hoping that he'd try and wang a three a miss pass? I think Wasps would have given him to Exeter if they'd won the Fin Salad. Yeah, yeah. I Take think Simmons it, off and put Finn Russell on. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I so, don't think he upgrades. He's very. He's not similar to Umanga, but he's a lot more similar to Umanga than he is to Simmons. To Simmons. So I, I think either team would have, had they have won the Finsanity call, they would have forced him onto the other team and then just gone for an intercept. <laughs> like the whole game, you just rush defence in, yeah. in the thirteen channel or outside no, I, the thirteen I, I, channel. I don't think you should be able. Oh no, hang on. No, because it's a coin flip, and then you win it, and you give. So you can't train to play against him because you might have him on your side as well. Yeah. You so you're gonna have to have a stand in throughout all of all of your preparation, a Finn Russell. <laughs> so there's probably there's probably a good market out there for Finn Russell impersonators. Yeah. To go around clubs preparing for finals. Well, when Danny Cipriani retires from playing properly, he could be a, a Finn, Finn, Finn Russell 
And Finn uh, Sanity Standing. Uh, Finn Personator. Finn Personator. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's probably. Oh, a... I, I mean, personally, I think we should spend the rest of the podcast exploring this further and further. <laughs> Wait well, a so... second. Something... Oh no! What? <laughs> so uh, I've literally just got a LinkedIn request. Guess who it's from? Finn Russell. No. A rugby legend. Ooh. Uh, Steve Diamond. Bigger. Bigger than Steve Diamond. Uh, Damn bigger, bigger. Bigger in stature and and height. Play for the Lions, second row. Simon Shaw. Simon Shaw. I have actually just got a LinkedIn request from Simon Shaw. Uh, this is a picture of Simon Shaw. <laughs> hold it to me, hold it to me, let's have a look. Show me. Uh, hold on, I can't see that. That's not, not, not Simon Shaw. It is not. No. It is not the Simon Shaw. But I thought maybe, because I've got quite a lot of rugby players on my LinkedIn, uh, that there's the Simon the Shaw. Simon Shaw. Uh, no, no. Come on, let, there is... let the funk. Let, let's after the Finn Sanity chat. Let's talk about some insanity uh, with the barbarians. Come on, JB, you've been waiting for this. Yeah, I, this got me irrationally wound up. Actually, <laughs> go I got on, go so on. angry about this. Um, I, I can't even describe why I'm so angry because I know I'm wrong. But my point of view is, um, this is okay. So first, so so first of all. What were the Barbarians thinking, even la- even playing a game this this week? Uh, the Barbarians is, is an organisation which is a great org- or a great organisation and one which should, which should hang around, but fundamentally it's just not suited for when pubs are, are closing at ten o'clock. Everybody's miserable. I guess they could say we could tra- they're trying to lift spirits and whatnot, but it's just not an appropriate look. So throughout all the week, all we've seen on social media is slabs of beer come to change rooms, and meanwhile we're all miserable. And the only thing we're allowed to do actually is go to work. I mean that is literally our only outlet. We can go to we can be worker drones and absolutely nothing else. Uh, there is there is no enjoyment to be had, and here they are having pints of beer and you know slabs uh, slabs of alcohol and blah 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 blah. So I thought, just the concept of of this is completely misguided, particularly on a, uh, particularly you know in the times that we find ourselves. That said, if you are a barbarian and you are called up to the barbarians. You're not doing it for the money. So the match fee to be a barbarian is about four grand. And people might say, oh, yeah, I'd I'd play for four grand. Believe you me, it's not for the money. So uh, I did actually check this. I I called several barbarians during the week to ask them, you know, what is the money? And, you know, why do do you do it? And it's for the week. Well, we've got got several friends of the pod uh, who are barbarians. Brim Williams. Uh, Mark Mark Atkinson. Your brother. My my brother, yeah. Uh, Uh, Paul, Paul Arnold. Is, mm-hmm. is Paul Arnold a, a barbarian as well? Yeah, awesome. So yeah, anyway, we. I, I don't want. I don't want to be Mister Big Time, but I know several barbarians, right? <laughs> so I gave him a quick call. I said, "Look, you know, how much?" Uh, oh, AJ McGinty didn't quite make it though. Did he not? No. Do you not remember he got pulled out by sale? Oh. He, was, he was due to start at ten. Um, so yeah, uh, we we know lots and lots of barbarians. Just saying, um, and you know, so the what I was told is. You get called up. You don't really know what you're letting yourself in for. You know, obviously, you know about the barbarians. And um, in fact, it's Mark Atkinson who's telling me it is a fantastic rugby week. All you're doing mm. is drinking, having a good time. If you need something, the team management will um, uh, uh, will get it for you. Yada yada yada. And now, there's no two ways about this. Part of this, part of this bonding, is going out 
four beers for a meal. Now, I've seen the video clip, and it doesn't look like there's much meal eating going on. No substantial meal there. Yeah. Definitely. It does tell you a story, though, doesn't it? That they had to say, oh, we went out for a meal because any form of joy is so profoundly looked down upon. They're about to play play rugby with each other. They wanted to go for a beer. In the town where where they live, because it's Saracens Saracens and, and Harlequins, and they weren't allowed to because these rules are so poorly written. And frankly, I'm, I'm glad it was caught called off. If if the rules don't allow them to go to, to go for a drink, if that that oppressive, I couldn't care less. I don't want to know about it. It, um, it, it shouldn't happen. And I hope they had a, a bloody good time. So I, I'm surprised at your stance that. Um we we shouldn't like the the thing you said at the start where we shouldn't be having the barbarians because it's, it does jar it's frivolity. It. I see um, I I see it as um opportunity to see plays in an England shirt, plays in a barbarian shirt and some good rugby. Even if it's not test match style rugby, it's just good exciting rugby. I was looking forward to seeing it on Sunday. I was looking forward to seeing it. But I'm, you know, I don't think my enjoyment is more important than their enjoyment. Uh, and that seems to be the, the general gist of everyone whinging on, on Twitter. And you know, the, the, the residents of Mount Pius, oh, they are, they're so shameful. There should be disc, uh, misconduct charges brought <laughs> against them. You know, there are two types, of, two, two, two types of players. People that would, would go out for drinks on a Barbarians uh, weekend and people that wouldn't. And frankly, I don't want anyone who wouldn't on, uh, 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 on my speed dial. Not one of them. Now, I try and ignore uh, Twitter and social media as much as I possibly can. Yes, you which, do. So I've not read a lot of the reaction, which I'm pretty glad I've not read a lot of the reaction. Uh, if you think Twitter's bad, just dip your f- feet into uh, Reddit for 10 minutes. Oh, no, I'm, uh, not, the, I'm not, not doing it. It is one of the worst places on it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who these these pimply virgins are which are busy typing away but it's clear that they've never played any form of, of, of rugby whatsoever, or, or team sport or maybe even left their house uh, it, they're just completely devoid of of any sympathy to, to, towards these guys and uh, but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll give you my take on this which is if I were in that situation I probably would have ended up doing that I know well. I would have now with that said um it is still a little bit disappointing because from what I've read, and I read um, your pal Swinner's um, description of what the camp was like, mm. um, these guys all knew the consequences of going out if they got caught. But and So it, it's just, it's just, I can't help but think it's just dull from them. So the thing is, from, Phil- it's, it's like they've, they've either... They've either not thought it through, which is just stupid, or they've thought it through and thought, oh, yeah, but probably we won't get caught, therefore we'll, we'll get or, away with it. more importantly, if you went out for a beer, and I knew it, but I didn't want to go, I wouldn't be grassing you up. In fact, <laughs> I'd be lying through my teeth, right, <laughs> and covering up and say, oh, I'd be putting pillows underneath your duvet, like, he's now, there, you can't come in the room. But there, there, is, there is another consequence for this, which is the, the reason they formed the bubble was because they're playing England at the weekend and if that bubble is breached and they play England and then England's bubble is as a consequence breached in the same way that we saw Sales bubble breached and then the Northampton bubble breached, the consequences for the Six Nations and the Autumn Internationals are severe. And yeah. and this this is actually one of the most one of the, one of the, when I was thinking about this, one of the most frustrating things for me was there's guys, some of those Saracens and Harlequins players, who have literally cost their mates 
well, they've literally cost them 20 grand for not playing this weekend. They could have, had they got away with it and there had been a proper bubble breach, they could have cost one of their mates 100 grand. Yeah. I mean, but, and like to your article the other week, and we were talking about the Courtney Laws playing, not playing on a nothing game. Like this, this, this legitimately could have um, cost £100,000 for, for one of their friends, one of their close friends and teammates because of their. Yeah, uh, ill discipline. When they when they did have beers in the hotel, and they could have satisfactorily had them without breaching the bubble. So I just why think did they just cover it up? I just think it's I just think it's dull. It's I, I, dull you know, decision making. It is dull. Look, it's great with fifty fifty uh, fifty fifty with with um, <laughs> uh, with twenty twenty hindsight. Twenty twenty hindsight. Thank thank you. Um, but that's e- sad. Even, I would have covered it up. Look, but look, even so, let, let's play that through. Then, if yeah. you cover it up and. Uh, someone has caught something and it gets transmitted to the England team that's even worse because you've cost your mate a hundred grand well this is where we're going to diverge and I will probably diverge with everyone in the world right now but I think the rules for Covid and professional rugby are not fit for purpose um, but, but you it, know they are the but rules but they are the rules so there's a kind of you know it's a limited argument I guess but in America they're playing college football with positive tests if they, you, you test positive you still play if you're not ill you can play you know the, if if the, the sale players had have, had have played, nothing bad would have happened. If the worst players would have played, nothing bad would have happened. By all means, keep the the sick players away. And some some arsehole out there will get all past. Well, what if the player's wife was a nurse? Yeah. Well, what if they weren't? Just play the game. It is it is fine to play the game. Now I know we don't don't, don't live in that world, but that would be my view. And for that reason, I would have covered up the covered the whole thing. <laughs> Remember this. Jason Leonard murdered. Jason Leonard murdered a goat during, during the Lions tour, you know that, and that makes great, great after, great after dinner speaking. So I can only imagine the um, the payback for this, as in the actual literal payback, will be in the after dinner speaking circuit when they can tell the story about how they cancelled cancelled the game. Oh yeah, I mean, Chris Robshaw has now got a little centrepiece story for his after-dinner speech, which will probably take, elevate him to, you know, the top tier of speakers. Yeah. Yeah, probably, because even though he's England captain, he's probably not got the most exciting story. He might, he well, might do Well, there is also heard. the line-out story in the World Cup. We the all back ourselves at home. I'd love to hear his take yeah, on Sam I, Burgess I was trying as well. To work, I, was, I was trying to think of a way, a funny way of... of putting the barbarian story and somehow working in the we back ourselves at home I was trying to think of a pun on that but well, I couldn't I, I tried Chris Robshaw right um, must be a remarkably nice man because he has been around the organisation that was caught up with Bloodgate he um he made a terrible decision for England, and now he's got now he's got a barbarians game cancelled. And I'm pretty st- sure he'll still be remembered as one of the nicest guys in <laughs> like in rugby. Just wherever he is, it seems to go horribly wrong around him. <laughs> it does. Unlucky. Well, so the, the, there were twelve guys uh, in this, so I find it simultaneously really, really bloody stupid, and can't understand what on earth they were thinking. And simultaneously, I find it really hard to be particularly annoyed at them yeah i mean at the same time because uh, well I, I so i come at this and m- maybe think about some elements that you might not think about Go on. um there will be people that, that do roles like me where i'm not contracted and don't aren't salaried but i pay as i go and that would be the same for cameramen for yeah. stewards for uh, broadcast staff there will be a, a load of people who are out of pocket at a time when 
some of these people haven't been able to work for months yeah, and for yeah. some of them it would it might have been the first work they're doing in ages mm. and um yeah. And and it's totally a brain dead thing to do from that point do, of view. Do you know the what RFU said? the R, the RFU are sixty million pounds in a black hole, and they're going to be another seven figure sum further down a black hole because of this decision. And and England are denied uh, an opportunity. Some of the players would have, I mean, albeit it's not a proper cap, but would have had the chance to to pull on an England jersey. And guys like Richard Wigglesworth and Chris Robshaw, who were in that group, have a chance at a send-off at Twickenham at the end of an incredible career in this country. And it just, it seems absolutely brain-dead thing to do, particularly because it's not like they were going out to the church where, you know, some of them might be on the pool and they might mix. They were just in a, they would, there was no different in the, in the videos we've seen. There's no difference other than the ambience of the pub versus the ambience of the Hilton Park Lane, which let's not forget, they're in the Hilton Park Lane with their own rooms, games rooms set up, whatever beer they want, spa, all the rest of it. It's It just... I understand the cabin fever and the sense to want to get out and, and do the whole barbarians thing, but they signed a bit of paper and were, the barbarian staff have said, yeah. regularly but, reminded of their responsibility I mean, and it, the reasons why. Did they sign a bit of paper? Because I hear this. Yes, they yeah. did. I mean, do we know what the paper said? Has anyone seen it? It was it, the code of conduct, including this. I mean, yeah. I just hate it. I, I hate it so much. I mean, I think I, it's I mean, such li- an listen, invasion listen, of freedom I'm, 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 I'm with you completely yeah. on thinking the the restrictions and the reactions to this is way over the top. Do you know, and I'm being deadly serious now, and people are going to think, think I'm an arse, but they do anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much, right? <laughs> I would sign any piece of paper, right, which said, oh, but you have to restrict your freedoms and you can't do this, that, and the other. I would sign any piece of paper, and then I would roundly ignore it, because I don't think it's anyone's business if I go to the pub or, or, uh, or not. And I think you are absolutely right to highlight all those people, Tim, who would... Uh, who would suffer from this decision? But I think the 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 anger should be levelled at, at the general rules that we all have to put up with. And I know that's not particularly helpful in this case. And you know, if only the players complied, we could all be in a better position. But actually, if everyone just did what these players did, just get out and live your life, we'd actually be better off generically anyway. And so they, these players are in a privileged position. They, they're, they're just professionals. They're just professionals like anyone else. They're, they're they, young lads. They're pro- they're, they are professionals, but they are in a privileged position. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. And the, there's lots of things that you can and cannot do when you're um, a professional rugby player. I would have done it. You would have done it. And I'm I, guessing, Tim, you would have come with us. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
I've I've been led astray before, and I'll probably be I'll probably be led astray again. Yeah, but yeah. I w- peer pressure is an incredible thing. Exactly, it is. I'm very good at peer, I'm very good at peer, peer pressuring people too. <laughs> um, I would just say I would sign any piece of paper, and it said you cannot go 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 to the pub. I would still sign it anyway, and I'd go. <laughs> so that's where I stand. But on. this this is an expensive mistake for yeah, the RFU well, yeah. for, for them to make for the RFU because it's it's cost, well, I mean, you say RFU. It's there's, there's going to be um, I mean I don't know what type but there's going to be sanctions against the, the players involved oh that's the other thing I was going to say it isn't just that on the so, so, so what happened is on the Wednesday morning or the sorry the Thursday morning whatever day it was um it was for, or on the Wednesday night. It was found that some players were were out at a quote unquote Italian restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't look very Italian. Didn't look particularly Italian. Anyway, <laughs> but there's different unless, types unless of Italian Unless there was Negronis on the table. Yeah, I was going to say no Negronis from what I spotted. So it yeah. can't be that Italian. Yeah. Anyway, so it was on the Wednesday night that there was someone going. Mm, there's something fishy going on here, and they traced them to supposedly an Italian. They traced restaurant. them. They traced them. No, or tracked trace. them to tracked them. Whatever. <laughs> they, who, they, you know, who was do, doing they, this tracking? They picked up the scent and uh, followed the fo- followed the, the footprints and like whatever the case, what, like the Stasi with two um, you know belt. No, I, I think actually it was the RF the RFU had some security people. You are they, kidding me? No, no, I'm not. But anyway, that's that's not. No, the point no, 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 no. This is the point. Tell me more about <laughs> these security people. So what? I don't is know it? the ins and outs of it. No, no. This this can't be right. The RFU had security people that went to track down the down their own players. Well, they might have they might have had them stationed at the Hilton to make sure the team. Uh, whatever the case, anyway, my point. Quite being, frankly, I am glad that they lost that money. I am glad. No, no, no that but, they li- lost but it. listen, listen, listen. So they tracked them to wherever they were on the Wednesday night. So they they knew the, who the people were on the Wednesday night before they got back to the hotel. So when they got back to the hotel, they said to them, "Right, you can go nowhere near the rest of the group." And then what was going to happen was. There was a couple of other players going to be drafted in from secure bubbles at other clubs. England were going to give seven players to the Barbarians so a game could happen. What what the, what none of the guys on the Wednesday night mentioned, but which was found out upon investigation, looking at CCTV footage, is that they did it the night before as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reason the game was called off. Because wow. it wasn't only it wasn't only the Wednesday night. They actually went out on the Tuesday so night as well. They went out on the and, Tuesday and then trained and then trained the following day. And that's why the the bubble was that uh, that meant the game had to be cancelled because none of the players could be guaranteed that they'd not been protected in inside the bubble i mean it's just a nonsense it's just a nonsense um, i mean it's it's straight it's weird times if you I it, mean, there's so many there's so many things that happen that if you'd have if tell, i'd read a story about this a year ago i would exactly think, if i had told you what the hell is going on yeah the or the rfu paid security guys to track down their play and then they must have put the cctv i mean it just in my mind one of the things about rugby is the sort of the high, like the hijinks of the drinking and all and all the rest of it, and you know, let's face it, it does it does go on. And as I mentioned before, like if Phil had gone out drinking, you know, I'd have been the guy putting you know the pillows underneath the duvet to make sure that you know we thought he was in there. And even once I did get rumbled by the SAS or whoever they whoever they uh, whoever they employed, so be it. But it seems to be that the game is run by these people who are not into rugby. They're more into covering their own arse and making sure the rules are followed and this and the other. I mean, I think it's fine for fit, healthy young men to play with COVID. As simple as that. I don't think they're going to get COVID. I think they might get some false positives. I 
I don't think, think, think they're going to get it. But well, I mean, again, the, whole, the whole false positive thing is another thing altogether. Where yeah, let's, um, let's yeah, please let's, not go. Yeah, let's, let's not, yeah, not yeah, go into it. <laughs> I think we've already spent. There, 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 there's some data coming out that, that suggests that for every one actual positive, you get ten false positives. But anyway, yeah, it's a absolute nonsense. And yeah, largely, I think. The Barbarians as a club and as an event should not have happened this happened this week. It is jarring to see people go to pubs when you can't, but I fully understand why these guys made this decision. And well, I mean, the only positive that I can take out of this uh, is, you know, all publicity is good publicity, and rugby was on the back page of a newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you might call doesn't that... even happen when Exeter doesn't even happen when Exeter win the European Championships in a lot of, or the Premiership or European Cup in a lot of cases. Yeah, I mean, you might call that a false positive, Tim, but I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> um, and, and 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 also, JB, rugby was being you know, marketed to the wider world for some of the values that you want rugby to be marketed for. Well, funny, that, funny that's enough. on tour. Yeah, exactly. Funny enough, I drafted a te- uh, text for Disby Rugby Club, but I couldn't, I couldn't get on the, get on the Twitter, which is basically, if you think it's appropriate to go drinking on a, on a Barbarians week, we want you. You would fit into <laughs> our club nicely. And that's, and that's what it's about. I mean, that is, you know, there was that, that was a, there was a picture last week, was it, about fit with Finn having a beer with Stuart and I, our game's different. No, no, um, that's not why it's different. It's because they're willing to go out for a beer together and break COVID rules. That's why it's different. That That is a true mate that will follow you down to the pub and break the bubble. I mean, we had a discussion once, me and, me and my friends, about the most expensive pints that you've ever bought. And actually, the winner of that discussion was my friend Steve. It's a great little starting point for a chat, that. Yeah, yeah. What's the most expensive pint that, pint that you've ever bought? And the winner of that chat was my friend Steve, who had a couple of pints and then ended up... He won't tell me exactly what the story was, but he ended up vomiting on another friend of ours' floor. They're no longer friends. And he spent a £1,000 replacing this uh, this guy's wood floor. So I make that to be about 500 quid per pint. <laughs> <laughs> I would love I mean, to know how I mean, much these pints cost. Is he is he like a fly with vomiting up acid? Like how do you ruin a fl- wooden floor by vomiting on it? Oh, that's the point. That's the reason for having wooden floors so you can vomit on <laughs> vomit it. Every yeah, way. like 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 the Roman vomitoriums. Exactly right. Uh, I would love to know what the average cost of a pint was for these lads when you uh, include the stadium opening, the stadium closing, the lost the, the lost revenue from TV money. Yeah, I mean just have just have a security detail. It must have cost them quite like quite a lot. I mean from that video it did look like they'd sunk, sunk quite a lot of pints and if they have obviously that brings the average cost it of does. a pint down yeah. but they could win that discussion it could be, it could be a million pound uh, total bill spread across <laughs> tw- 12 20- lads 10 pints each yeah so, so what are we on there Phil? Uh, 10,000 pounds uh, 10,000 pounds a pint uh, so it's 100 pints drunk um, yeah. it could be 10, 10 grand a pint so if you want to know how Chris Robshaw gets this into after after the spe- speech he tells you about how much his pint cost yeah there you go <laughs> oh. um, it's bonkers any other news this week well, uh, just just to round off the barbarians thing oh, I, yeah. just, I, I think I think with all, all all of these things and where I am is I thought it was I thought it was brain dead really stupid it was so I, stupid so stupid so careless uh, it also the the fact that social media exists and people take pictures, see things, all the rest of it. They were they they should have known better. It's not like they they were the first people um, who suddenly realised, oh God, we can be seen when we're out. 
and we're public figures and stuff. But um, but I also don't want. I just don't think it should be the anger and vitriol. That it's stupid and it, that should be called out. But yeah, I'm. I find it really hard to be livid with them, like a lot of people seem to be. Yeah, yeah. It's the same sort of anger I generate when I hear that Nigel Ray has spent his his children's inheritance on more money from Mario Toji than he should do. It's like, yeah, that's really bad, but uh, not that angry about it. You'd do the same. Yeah, I'd do the same. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah, and yeah, let he, without seeing cast the first stone, which basically means everyone's pipe down. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell the people that are horrendously boring by how they react, by how they react, reacted to, to this story because if you're horrendously boring and don't enjoy beer you probably reacted to this really quite badly so uh should we talk about international rugby because there is some this weekend there is the the finals of the six nations oh before be- just before we get into that david pocock yeah yeah dedicates more time to training himself to trees now uh i guess um <laughs> marvelous career uh one of the probably one of the greats probably one of the great underachievers in in some way Mm. Because he is a phenomenal talent, um, but never Ama- amazing rig. Yeah, amazing, unbelievable rig. rig. Uh, he, <clears throat> yeah, I think he'll be remembered as maybe one of the greatest players not to win a World Cup. He he's in that category. I, I think he's a real great of the game, and he, he's he could do things that only a handful of players in the world could ever do. Yeah. Um, Guys, in the last 20 years, guys, and I'm going to name a couple of other Aussie flankers, actually, in David Smith and Michael Hooper, who are, uh, they are all, sorry, David Smith, George Smith, not David Smith, the um, Toulon and uh, Samoa. Winger. um, Winger. Yes. Yeah. Um, George Smith. Um, He's absolutely incredible um, in his strength and physicality and his ability to to turn over balls and his athleticism in yeah. doing so. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine Jack Willis wouldn't be Jack Willis without David Pocock. Yeah, it's all an, an evolutionary arc, um, isn't it? And he fits in there quite quite nicely. Um, and even when you just type in pictures, I've just typed in David Pocock on, on Google and just hit images and the number of the pictures. I've never seen such a high concentration of photos that are top plus. Top plus. Well, that's because you've not typed in Mark Wilson recently. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, what else would I say about him? Uh, amazing, he's only got 70-something caps. You feel that he should have a, like hundreds, but I think he, he had Injuries. a good couple of, couple, couple of years in, um, in, injured. A so, couple of years in the rainforest as well. Yes, and, yeah. And a bit of time in Japan. And a bit of time in Japan, yeah. It will be sorely missed, uh, I think it's fair to say, a great at the game. Yeah, definitely. Um any other business? What? Anything else? It was besides the like major announcements on um, the barbarians and that story breaking, and then obviously the run up to the the other internationals and Exeter's final. There's not been that much else that happened this this week that I can think of. Well, that well, other than a bunch of Saracens and uh, thingy uh, and Chris Robshaw, the excellent captain, cancelling a game. I mean, yeah. there's been actually yeah. loads. Besides, of yeah, but sorry. Besides, besides all, that, yeah, besides all that, there's not been much. Besides, on. besides well, the stuff we talked about for an hour yes. now. Yeah, and on the and on the Saracens players, for a lot of them, this weekend would have been. Well, I don't know when their next game is going to be because it doesn't look like the championship is going to start anytime soon. And four of the clubs in the championship have said, uh, I believe, if 
you don't let us play with crowds, we're not we're not going to be involved. Good for them in, in the championship this Good year. Good for them. I think it's gun. I, I think it should be gun gun to the head time, which is we're just not doing it. We're ju- it's not worth paying the lads, getting them. It's just not worth it. Opening the club, don't do it, boys. Well, the, the, Make the a t- stand. The TV money. If there is any, well, there, there is some because I know Sky shows some of the Green yeah. King IPA stuff, but it will, it will be so small that it will cover a fraction of the cost of running each one of those rugby clubs. Yeah, so they have to get fans in. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if it, if it is going to operate, we're not viable. talking about you know like the AJ Bale Stadium or a professional. I mean, lots of, <laughs> and lots of these places are. Well, they might have a small stand, but quite often you're just standing on the side of the... I mean, you, you've you played in that league. You're still yeah. just standing on the side of the field. Yeah, and, and some of them, there's, there's some, obviously some uh, good setups. And like, um, I don't know where Nottingham are playing these days, but um, they were playing in the county ground. Yeah, uh, and, well, that, that's where they've said they will go if they were to reach the premiership, but they play at... I can't remember. Lady Bay, I think it's called, their, yeah, new, their new ground. I played against Nottingham b- at both their their old ground and the county ground. So some of them are genuine, like um, Darlington Modern Park. Yes, Gen- I've got genuine the... Genuine yeah. 28 or something th- thousand-seater stadium. Yeah, they've got the Darlington Stadium yeah. in the middle of a roundabout somewhere. Um, y- yeah, I mean, you're walking your dog past... I could walk my dog past Sedgley Park. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah someone, some job, job worth is going to say, no, you can't... Avert your eyes. You may not look at this because you watching it might spread COVID. No, and, it's nonsense. Uh, well, a lot of them, depending on... Because you might see um, larger crowds, but a lot of them would be somewhere in the region of... What are you um, about, 500 people? Somewhere between 500 and a few thousand, two, 3,000 for, for many of them. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you space out 500 people around... You know, a foot, around a, football, around a pitch, a around a football pitch. pitch. I mean, you know, so it's, what? It's, it's ridiculous. Um, it makes me so angry. And yeah, and, and these championship clubs have said, well, no, that's how we pay our players. So if you're not going to let us have a crowd uh, of some kind in a safe manner, we can't, we, we actually can't operate. So it'll be interesting to see, firstly, when and if the championship restarts and if it's without a crowd, what they do with the four teams who say, no, we're not doing it. Yeah, well, it's, we can't do it because we can't afford to pay our yeah. players. We can't afford to run a match day with no crowds coming in, no f- revenue coming in. Yeah, and unfortunately, and, and I understand, um, you know, there's a lot of people been saying we need a government bailout, we need a government bailout. If I take my rugby hat off, yes, with my rugby hat on, I'm like, absolutely, you know, there should be a, some sort of bailout of these clubs because they're really important. If I take my rugby hat off and go, they're all running at a loss, yeah. The answer so is actually, you're just chucking money. You're just chucking money into a black hole. Yeah. The answer and is, is and is that good governance? No. So the answer to the, to the bailout question is very simple. Um, if you're not a Premiership club with a wage bill, uh, you need to cut your wage bill, right? Because you know it sounds brutal, but the lads in the Championship they're barely earning earning a living. I mean, it is. It is one of those things that I think in a lot of ways they're better off not being paid, going out and getting a different profession and, and, and becoming part-time because you can't earn 20 grand a year, which is what a lot of these lads are earning, all the way up to retirement. You just can't do it. Yeah, or, or less. So there, there are some lads who play in the Championship who will be on a, a reasonable chunk more than that. But yeah, so the, like some of the lads the in Ealing, say. The majority will be that or even considerably less than that yeah so i mean you weren't a full uh, full-time playing playing no. championship you know? uh, and and the amount that i got paid i could not have been full-time <laughs> yeah so in a way i don't think uh, you know they need to be paying players anyway second of all a rugby club generally speaking um 
is a pitch with a few change rooms and, and whatnot. If you can't maintain that without a government ba- ba- bailout, if your members aren't motivated enough to come down, you know, and help mow the lawn and paint, you know, and paint the change rooms and do the upkeep, you can ask yourself: Is it a club worth having? You know, these are community clubs, and I know the, champion, the championship is somewhere in the middle of community and trying to be professional. But you've got to be got to but, be realistic. Oh, but hold on, they, 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 but again, going back to it, they're surviving because. They ha- they do have a community that well, support them and come and buy beers at the club and come and pay pay yeah. to get in. And it so can't actually, happen overnight. You, you're, you're sort of you're weirdly saying, is it worth it? But the, the very people, yeah, the very thing that actually funds all of that and makes that possible aren't able to come and be involved in the club. No, and you know sometimes it's funded by owners, sometimes it's funded by the bar, and we've got a really good test case in Manchester of Manchester Rugby Club of what happened to them when they lost all their players and they literally lost them overnight and they just fell and fell and fell. But they still exist. Manchester Oral. Yeah. Oral. I mean Oral actually had to had to disband in in, in the end. So they were slightly it, different. It basically happened to every club I played for, Newbury did the same thing happen? Yeah. <laughs> got got all the way up to the championship and then bombed all the way down the leagues. Man- then I went to Manchester and the same thing happened. Yeah. And it, <laughs> the yeah. curse, the curse, the cocker, cocker curse. Uh, so you know, in a championship club, unless you're going to make it big into the big time, maybe Ealing do it. The Saracens might come back. You know, they probably will. Newcastle did, did come back. You're basically on a stay of execution anyway, and you're just waiting for that owner to pull out. So. You know, these clubs don't disappear. Manchester's not disappeared. Arguably, it's as strong as it's been for about, about a decade now. Um, Oral has not disappeared. Oral is definitely stronger now than it was when it was in 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 free fall or in the championship, it was struggling to pay, pay pay players. So I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. If your club is worth something, you know, eventually the community will rally around and you know you'll be fine. Hmm. Um. On to the next week's games. Yeah. So, we did we did touch on this before, but I'll just run through it again. Uh, so the Six Nations table from sixth onwards. So Italy are in sixth with nil poids, no wins, uh, no draws, no bonus points, and minus one hundred and five points difference. Oh dear. And no chance, I, w- I would guess. So uh, Italy cannot win the tournament. Wales also cannot win the tournament. Um, so I, Wales, I don't, I know, well, I'll save it for another time, but maybe maybe after this weekend when they play France and um, sorry, maybe after this weekend when they play Scotland, Scotland. Uh, we can have a little chat about Wayne Pivac's Wales. Yes, yes. But, um, but let's do that next week. Yeah. So Wales are out of it, and they play Scotland, who technically can win the tournament. It would mean England losing to Italy, uh, and. Actually, no, they can't now, can they? Because Ireland and or France are going to have to overtake. Um, so, yeah, now... Hey, Scotland will just take not having a wooden spoon at the minute. Yeah. So, France, they've won two and lost two. Um, they're, they're on ten points. Then France, England and Ireland can all win the tournament. It does feel like a stretch for France to win the tournament because they would have to... Um, they would... <laughs> Um, have to beat Ireland by more points than England beat Italy by, um, which seems unlikely. Unlikely, yes, quite. Yeah, so if England beat Italy by 50 points, France have to beat Ireland by 53 points, uh, which seems unlikely. So then it is England and Ireland. Now, England, they're on 13 points, uh, and their points difference is plus 15. Ireland are on 14 points. Their points difference is plus 38, but they obviously have already played Italy. So, it is Ireland's to lose, 
but Ireland have Ireland have to go to France and win with a five point win to guarantee that they are going to secure the tournament. Otherwise, it comes down to points difference. So the fixtures from uh, first to last, we have I mentioned it before, but Wales Scotland at two fifteen, which is a bit bit of a dead rubber, but Wales will be fighting to be uh, not second bottom basically. <laughs> Um, how do you see that one going? Uh, so basically, I'm going to give you a very quick roundup on this. England will win, Scotland will win, France, I hope, win. So Scotland beating Wales in Wales. I think they will. I just think they're better. I don't know, Wales, Wales showed some really good stuff against that French team. In uh, At times, they just could, they couldn't string it together for long enough periods. I think Wales going forward are fine. I say fine. They're, you know, they're good. They're good-ish in, in, in phases. I think where it's going to come and, where Wales are going to come and stuck is their defence. I don't think they've got the work rate of the old Gatland teams. I don't think they can maintain the physicality. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I suspect that uh, Scotland, under Gregor Townsend, much more settled team, they should be able to beat Wales. Um, I'm... Less confident in Scotland. I, th- I think Wales will win this at home. Okay. Oh, but no crowd as well. That's a big deal. I'm looking forward to... I'm really looking forward to this game, even though there's nothing huge riding on it. I, I just always... I always like this game. I remember what, what was the game a couple of years ago at Cardiff. It was just a, an end-to-end match. Uh, I, I just think this is a really entertaining matchup, potentially. I see it going with the home side... Yeah, um, but but, but, I, I, but again, the crowd factor, the Cardiff factor, isn't going to be anything like, or none of this, none of the home grounds are going to be a factor uh, like it has been, and we've seen that in the Premiership where the number of percentage of home wins has gone right down. Yeah, it is an interesting point because there's obviously as part of the uh, home advantage, you do historically have the crowd who not only um, get behind the, the players and motivate the players, but also do influence referees. Um, that is taken away. But you still do have the home advantage of you're in more f- familiar surroundings. You have known your route from the hotel where you've been staying in, which will be close to, to the venue. You've not had a long away trip, a flight or a eight-hour coach journey. So there are still home advantages, but they're they're not as great as they once were but I, I still even with it I think Wales Wales at home then Eng- yeah they should then England travelled to Rome at 4.45 quarter to five um, beat down uh, so yeah I think I think two things we said on the pod will both be correct that England will rest all of the extra and Wasps players um, and so they'll play with a, a slightly weakened team Uh and they will still beat Italy by 40-plus points. Which means that uh, Ireland have to get a five-point win or um, they have to get a four-point win uh, but win by enough points to overcome what would be a 15-point or 40-point swing, so a 15-point advantage to England by that one? point. Where is this one, Dublin or Paris? It's in Paris. Hmm... Now I think I actually think that France are going to win this, but which which basically, unless they unless France can beat uh, Ireland by three more points than England beat Italy, it hands the tournament to England. 
So I think I think Wales, England, and France will all win, which means that England win the Six Nations. This is the right. This is the way round. I would want the fixtures as well because if the, if England only needed to win by seven points against Italy, it's like you're sort of bored after twenty minutes. Yeah, potentially. Again, that's, that that sounds disrespectful to Italy, but um, yeah, this this is this this is building up to through the games um, rather nicely. Starts off with a really great game. England will put put away Italy, you would think, and then. Ireland France is a real tasty matchup. The best kit v the worst kit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's good. Anyone I wonder I wonder even if it's in Paris whether Ireland will still do the performative um national anthem. Yeah, I do you know what I hope? I hope Ireland's players get caught this week going for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me very happy. I'd be politically very explosive by the by the look of it. Yes, that would be great news. And your prediction for France Island? Not to go ahead because they've been caught out. Exactly right, exactly right. Uh, (laughs) I hope... Okay, my prediction is I think Ireland are a better team. Um, I think it's based on the strength of Leinster, based on the strength of players available to them, the settledness of the side. There's a lot of indicators that say Ireland should win this. That said, I think France's top end is better. Their top end talent is better. And I also think that when it comes to unusual teams, Ireland, anyone who plays in the top 14, uh, well, they all play in the top 14, didn't they? They won't have really played against anything like France. Uh, So they do have a slight advantage. Ireland to win. Not by many. I sincerely hope that France win, though. I think France. I'll be rooting for France like mad. I yeah, I think France will win. One thing I just before the podcast ends that I've got I've got to mention that I didn't mention earlier when we talked about Ireland was Peter O'Mahony's offload. It's outrageously good. I I didn't know he had that in his locker. Yeah, definitely not. I've never seen. I've been watching Peter O'Mahony play for ten years now. I've never seen that before. That was magnificent, and uh, Bundyaki finished that try beautifully. Maybe he's up in his game because he knows there's a lot of competition, both for the Ireland shirt and the Lion shirt. Yeah, I think he's a distance away from probably both those shirts at the moment. Yeah, uh, definitely the Lion shirt. Well, he was captain last year, last uh, year, know, last time, last time. I know, uh, I know. And you know, captain you know, these leadership roles in Alliance Twelve—they really mean something. They, yeah, they are. And it's it is tough to get the combination of the talent and leadership. In, indeed it is. Indeed it is. Take cool. us home, JB. Brilliant. So um, there you go. Another wonderful week of rugby in the can. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And if you don't subscribe, you should should should, should subscribe. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at jbeardmore. Tim is at Cocker. This podcast is at the... Was it Rugby Podcast? The Rugby Podcast? I was, at about, to say the, at rugby I was about to say the Rugby Dungeon then. At Rugby Podcast. Uh, so hopefully we will see you there. But until next week when we'll have a full round of internationals. Uh, thank you for listening and let the boys play. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.